the Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. From our studios in downtown San Francisco, this is In The Click Bimbo Jimbo alongside my tag team partner, Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everybody. Might be a little rusty, but we're live, pal. (laughs) I'm so honored that my co-host is the legendary Tony Schiavone, a.k.a. Ski It's a, it's a visual gag, but uh, but maybe he, he just ever intrepid trying to bring a visual gag into an audio medium here on In The Click uh, as he is insinuating that I look like one Tony Schiavone, who we will be talking about a lot on this week's edition of In The Click. Uh, I got a lot of things to say about old Tone, and uh, they're all positive. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, we'll, we'll get there in a minute, but welcome back to In The Click. It's been a very, very busy schedule for both Baby Huey and myself. So uh, we apologize again for the sort of more sporadic helpings of uh, in the click for all you clicksters out there. But uh, we're doing what we can do. We're getting in while we can. How's work going for you? (laughs) Work has been uh, all over the place, insanely busy, uh, whether it be. Uh, APW or the Golden State Warriors, the schedule is coming fast and furious and relentlessly. I just want to offer my services to fill out the bench for the Warriors, and there's a lot of injuries right now. Yeah. I will totally help out. Yes, jump jump right into my nightmare. The water is warm. <laughs> uh, yeah, not all uh, not all is joyful at the house that Jimbo built right now at the Chase Center, but. Uh, we're doing what we can do, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to be talking with you again, man. I, it just it feels like uh, the schedule is just keeping us apart. I don't like it. Well, I mean, it, it, I know it's a busy time of the year for you, just because with the Warrior season starting up. So I totally understand. I've been patient, been trying to watch as much wrestling as I can in my free time, dude. And that's that's the other thing about it is trying to find time, like literally, let alone to get in get get in FaceTime with with my boy Baby Huey, but to to even catch up on what we would be talking about, which I did. Uh, but it's difficult to even just find the time right now to watch pro wrestling. Literally, then, yeah. okay. This past week, so I watched Raw live in real time. But then Tuesday, I, I had a movie screen screening. I went to go see Terminator on Tuesday, so I was busy with that and didn't watch any other wrestling. And then uh, you were gonna say SmackDown, weren't you? No, no, because <laughs> I still am sort of like uh, wired for SmackDown to be on Tuesdays. I have Tuesday as my day to watch uh, um, um, MLW, NWA Power. That's kind of, but like I said, I was busy with Terminator stuff. Wednesday's Dynamite. Thursday, I try to watch NXT that day. But I was busy with other things, so Friday watched SmackDown. But Saturday was like catching up on NXT, uh, uh, um, and then uh, was it yesterday or this morning was Crown Jewel. Uh, watching, I rewatched SmackDown because I fell asleep during the, on Friday. And I was just that exhausted. So yeah, like you said, there's just so much wrestling to take in every week now. 
It's a, it's a lot to, of our free time watching all that stuff. Where all great decisions are made uh, in the shower, uh, I was thinking about, again, uh, show show assignments might be coming. But uh, it's, it's It might be coming. Well, no, I, I get that, but then we can't really have a conversation. Well, It'd be kind you of know, one-sided. Like if, if, like, let's say, for instance, if you had, like, Raw or something like that, I, w- I would catch, like, you know, the Reader's Digest version, and then you'd be able to fill in the gaps, and we could discuss it that way. Uh, kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll work it out off air, but I'm just, I'm just letting you know, again, where all great decisions are made in the shower, that, that's been percolating quite, quite a bit because, man, it is, there is a lot to get to. Uh, I want to start out with um, a positive note coming out of a, a really tough situation, uh, and that is uh, John Cena stepped up to the plate uh, and he donated $500,000 to help f- uh, first responders here in California who are fighting the wildfires, the unfortunately named Kincaid Fire, as it were. Uh, so that, you know, that being for those of you that don't know my last name, misspelled, but mine nonetheless. And I've been getting a lot of a lot of hateful tweets and comments about about what I did. I only thought it burned when I peed. I had nothing to do with anything going out beyond that. But uh, I mean, big ups to John Cena for, yeah, for stepping up like that. I mean, it's it's terrible what's been happening with all these fires in mm-hmm. California uh, and for John Cena to do that was, you know, just uh, so much respect for him already. But for him to do that was just a plus. Absolutely. So do we know, is it goes towards the first responders for Northern and Southern California? Cause uh, I'm not sure the exact details in terms okay. of allotment of that, but it just, it's going to the California first responders and okay. helping them with these, everything they're going through with the wildfires. So that is just uh that is just a great move uh, from big match, John. And I really miss seeing him uh, every week on yeah. my TV screen. I, I, I really do have to say that. I wish he was back. Uh, you can see him in a movie. Thing. Yeah, we can, but it's not the same. I want, <laughs> I like seeing him in the ring. Uh, also want to give a big shout out to all pro wrestlers. Wrestling. They had their event Halloween Hell, which is what we were getting ready for when last we spoke. Uh, Caesar Black, uh, my new broadcast partner, making his debut alongside me was a lot of fun. Uh, Caesar Black's a great friend of mine, and he's you know been involved in the independent professional wrestling scene here in California for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun, uh, sort of having that babyface heel dynamic uh, with him on the call for all pro wrestling Halloween Hell. Uh, what a tremendous honor it was to get to call a match of the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, tag team specialists, absolute legends uh, in the sport of professional wrestling uh, and super, super nice, kind people uh, outside the ring and behind the scenes and stuff like that, too. So that was that was just a thrill. I, and I, I thought uh, I thought the event was really fun. I mean, what, what did you think, Baby Huey? It was, of course, always fun. APW, how many times can we say this? They always deliver just an, an excellent show every time. They uh, have one pretty much every month at this point. But, uh, yeah, for my brother and I, of course, we were super excited to meet the Rock and Roll Express. So we had the opportunity to do that. So uh, just to go off what you said, very nice guys to talk to. And then uh, for the card itself, it was really cool. I think APW, I think they're a little bit of a, a transitional period. I think some of the talent you know, have been moving on to other places. So we're seeing a lot more of some newer faces appear up on their shows. So I think that's cool that we're seeing just a lot more. Uh, newer people, newer matchups, but for the card itself, I mean, it was cool. We got to see some surprises. Uh, Rick Luxury leaving, 
the bad boys faction he's been part of and going with uh, the face churn for Rick Luxury yeah. in the in the California scene is is pretty staggering. I was I was really impressed with uh with Cody Vance, Vanilla Vance, yeah. uh you know, part of the Nightmare family and everything like that. It's looking like he's going to be involved moving forward. That was that was uh cool to see him at APW. Also uh, cool seeing uh, uh Davey Boy Smith Jr. wrestle and uh, our buddy Mike Miller, Mike Miller <laughs> uh, managing him. Yeah, no, that was that was cool. To, yeah, managing Cody Vance as well. So it was, it was a big night for our boy Mike. Uh, also, though, just want to point out that uh, APW will be returning with Game Recognized Game on November 15th. Uh, I am super excited for that. You're going to get uh, Fatu versus Timothy Thatcher, first time ever. That is a huge, huge match. You're going to get the APW Universal Championship match defended. Jake Atlas, the reigning defending Universal Champion of APW, defending against the chairman of AEW, Sean Spears. Uh, that is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal show. I cannot wait for that. So November 15th, get your asses out there to game recognize game. Can we make that like a post birthday celebration for myself? Is that okay? Always, always, always gotta always gotta put over the birthday. <laughs> I just encourage okay, that's what I'm gonna do. Invite all the listeners out there. My birthday's November 14th, so the di- next oh, day. I just missed it. Maybe next year though, buddy. <laughs> the next day, it can make that like, kind of like a post-birthday party celebration. We can like uh, you know, do we'll, we'll think of something. I think it'd be kind of cool just to kind of tie it all in. No it, doubt about it. I mean, that's a great way uh to to spend your birthdays at a wrestling event. I mean, we did it last year for TLC that that fell on the the 15th, if I'm not mistaken. Or the sixteenth of December. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, like, I'm, just, I'm just saying it's a great way to spend a birthday celebration. Uh, I am uh, sort of cutting it razor thin close. Uh, I have to be in a wedding the very next day, so it's going to be APW game recognized game, and then Jimbo get on plane and head to San Diego to be in a wedding. So that's uh, going to be a close one, but I've cleared things with uh, the groom, sort of the bride. So we'll see how that all goes. But I am very excited for that show. It's going to be kick-ass, so uh, looking forward to being on the call uh, for that one. Now, Eventbrite. Get your tickets at eventbrite.com. Now, let's uh, let's get into some of the clickbait for this week. Uh, in, a, in a period of time that had no shortage of actual wrestling to talk about, we have a major sort of controversy swirling uh, out of the Middle East has nothing to do with normally the controversy that's swirling in the Middle East, this of the geopolitical sense, uh, but talent for WWE coming back from Crown Fool uh, had some issues getting back into the country that led to uh, sort of uh, rumors and speculation about that it being about money that Saudi Arabia and the Crown Prince owes Vince McMahon you know uh, and so he cut off the TV feed and you know so then the Saudi Prince decided to keep WWE's wrestlers Uh, I'm not buying any of that really I, I because Atlas Air has already apologized and put out their statement about I you know like Atlas Air is a very reputable company I've flown with them before uh, they, they're they're not going to put out this statement they said this a charter WWE passenger flight operated by Atlas Air is currently d- delayed in Riyadh Saudi Arabia due to a mechanical issue and the flight was scheduled and they go on from there uh, they apologize to WWE for and the passengers who were inconvenienced out of this sort of controversy is, is coming this absolute BS narrative about Vince McMahon leaving as sort of his wrestlers high and dry almost mm-hmm. like in a hostage type situation in Saudi Arabia uh, I cannot uh, fathom Vince McMahon ever doing anything of the sort. Vince, again, I'm going to carry his water on this. 
but he has always been the one that would never ask a wrestler to do something that he wouldn't do himself. So if this is true, it is one of the most out-of-character things that Vince McMahon has ever done in his life. Look, technical issues with planes happen. Delays are more likely to happen on a pl- with a charter flight like this because you want to make sure that everything is working absolutely properly when you're flying from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, back to the United States of America. So yeah, if there's like a minor issue, it might delay it. So I, I like I'm calling BS on this on this whole controversy surrounding it immediately thrown a flag on it or maybe conspiracy theory the crown prince said like he told the 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 airline if you want to keep working in my country you better do what i say and put out this press release just saying conspiracy theory no chance in hell (laughs) no chance in hell but with the vince mcmahon thing i i saw that too supposedly all he left all the wrestlers behind he went on his private jet and left everyone in saudi arabia to deal with this situation of being uh, taken off the airplane and uh, can't return to America right away because of this dispute. I mean, for all we know, Vince McMahon, he was probably in his, just hypothetically, he could be in his plane and didn't know all this issues going on. So I'm just saying. Or made aware of the situation and not realizing that it would be the delay that it turned into is perfectly plausible. Yeah. Do I need to wait? Is this a big deal? No. Go ahead. Goes ahead. Turns out to be a bigger deal than it first thought, and now it's a bad look. I am just not buying this speculative narrative that Vince sort of like just bailed out on his roster in Saudi Arabia. That does not fit. It is not congruent with everything else we know about the person, Vince McMahon. Well, also the other thing, too, keep in mind, these are the people that make money for him. Why would he yeah, abandon them like that? It doesn't make sense in, in that situation. So I'm I, I'm with you as far as he would not sacrifice his his employees' health and and well being just to get out of a country ASAP. Yeah, that's it, why that's why I'm just a little confused. Yeah, it doesn't make sense in that situation. It, it just doesn't it doesn't jive with with what I believe to be true about Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And since it's all BS out there anyway, I'm going to go on record and say that actually no, that's that's false. And so factually. In my own mind, uh, yeah, that's Vince didn't do that. So now, now what are you going to do? There's two contra- two contrasting narratives out there, both based on the same amount of fact. So go bleep yourself. Uh, all right, on to happier things. Got to give a shout out to MLW. Yeah, uh, our boy AJ Kirsch on commentary. Uh, Krista Joseph uh, taking over there as one of their sort of uh, producers and everything like that from Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very excited for him uh, to be a part of MLW. Krista uh, Joseph did great work uh, in Lucha Underground. Really um, was instrumental in a lot of just the sort of creative, like the vignettes and just everything about the presentation that worked so well uh, for so long in Lucha. Uh, it, so I, I have no doubt that he's going to do great things at MLW, and he seems super stoked to be back in the game, as he calls it. Uh, so shout out uh, to MLW, their first pay per view uh, Saturday night super fight. Was a was a great show by all accounts, and our guy uh, fought too in the main event against yeah. LA Park, and uh, he retained there. It was it's uh, good stuff all around. Yeah, a couple things. Uh, so as you were saying about your buddy, it's good for him. I think a lot of people were happy to see because I think a lot of the stuff that, as you mentioned, that people love about Lucha Underground, hopefully, could bring elements of that over to MLW. And MLW, if you haven't watched regularly, they put all their episodes of Fusion on YouTube, and you can watch it. Really easy to consume our episodes. But, yeah, I really think MLW is like this little secret hidden treasure. I agree. In this world of, like, so much wrestling going on right now. So if you have the time to watch it, it's really great. They have a great mixture of upcoming young talent, 
established stars, maybe some veterans who are at the latter of their career, but nonetheless to help put the talent over. It's um, it's really entertaining stuff. I mean, I, it, I've seen some people make this comparison. Remember back in the day, you had WWE and WCW while ECW was this little hidden thing. I think MLW is kind of like that in, in some ways um, in today's wrestling landscape. But if you have a chance, check out one of the more recent episodes of Talk is Jericho. Chris Jericho does a great hour interview with Court Bauer, who's the owner of MLW. A lot of great just insight about where he's coming from, what he wants to do with this company, and just his history owning it, his time working with WWE and Vince McMahon, a lot of great stories. So, like you said, do yourself a favor, listen to it, and you really appreciate and respect what he's trying to do with the company. But also, I want to give a big shout-out. Also, just excited to see the Von Ericks win the MLW World Tag Team Championship uh, they defeated the dynasty, so it's just really cool to see them win and uh, become new tag team champions. Yeah, I think the, I think the only the only issue in terms of them being the ECW is in today's wrestling world, we have a like a sort of a few sort of ECWs cropping up. There's a there's a lot of uh, different places to get your wrestling fixed. So there's a lot of hidden gems out there. MLW certainly one of them. Impact uh, sort of making their another one of their rebirths here, but this time hopefully it sticks for them. Sammy mm-hmm. Callahan became their new champion. Uh, he, of course, is a great talent uh, as well. And uh, our guy Chris Jericho switching gears. He is going to be heading to Wrestle Kingdom again. He's going to be taking on the ace Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom this year. What do you think about that, baby Huey? It's interesting interesting because there's been a lot of speculation of what AEW's status is with New Japan as far as working relationships go, just for the fact that Kenny Omega and some other guys, Cody and uh, the Young Bucks, all these guys who were Ring of Honor slash New Japan for the last couple of years, them leaving to go to AEW, a lot of people thought that cuts off their time or, or their connections with New Japan, but the fact that Chris Jericho is going back there again for Wrestle Kingdom, I, maybe... New conversations have arose between the two promotions, or maybe this is a one-time thing, or even um, yeah, it could be some agreement because even like going back to the Court Power, uh, Court Bauer uh, uh, podcast with Jericho, he mentions he has an open relationship with AEW as far as MJF working both promotions yeah. still. So maybe in a similar situation, that's what Jericho has with AEW and New Japan. I, I I'm not really sure. I'm, I'm sure Jericho will probably elaborate at some point in the next couple months of how he's able to work both promotions somehow. But, I mean, of course, exciting. It's just Jericho, the last couple years where he's appeared at Wrestle Kingdom, he's put on some great matches, and he's been a great heel for uh, for New Japan. And yeah. so I wonder if this means maybe Kenny Omega can make an appearance again down the road at some that, point. That's what I thought about, too, because I know, I mean, Kenny obviously still has such strong ties uh, in Japan. And, again, I, I, I sort of I go back to that line that Jim Ross uh, dropped as – uh, AEW was debuting was uh, you know Kenny Omega still searching for his heart in AEW. Did he leave it back in Tokyo? And was such a great poetic line at the time. But I do think there there's a little bit of, of truth to that. That you know Kenny carved out such a name for himself in Japan. Uh, it would be cool to see him sort of as a surprise return at this year's Wrestle Kingdom or a show down the road. We shall see. But New Japan Pro Wrestling also announced uh, a U.S. subsidiary here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what what are your thoughts on on that, Hubert? Well. Well, it, it's that's another interesting situation because as far as them establishing their own U.S. promotion, and I guess that means they're going to try to put on more U.S.-based shows here in America. But I think the big question is, what does that mean as far as their relationship with Ring of Honor? I think for a lot of people that 
it could expel the ending of Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, there's been a lot of issues. Joey Mercury has been like uh, leaking some emails and yep. trying to say like just how bad things are behind the scenes there. So a lot of people are just throwing it out there online that maybe this is the beginning of the end for Ring of Honor as a promotion. Who knows? But with that being said, if New Japan is going to establish their own U.S.-based promotion, does that mean they're going to end their relationship with Ring of Honor? But also the constant ongoing people are asking want to know is will they have a relationship with AEW if they're going to have their own US based promotion why would they have anything going on with AEW they're, that's the competition yeah so there's a lot of just questions but then again when i hear about this i was like parmi is excited like great maybe we can see more of these japanese wrestlers here in america and especially on the west coast since that's where they they like to start a lot of their uh, tours at but is there enough time to, to, to see them, but also, no. <laughs> no, yeah, no, seriously, is there enough time to see these wrestlers or watch New Japan? But it's already oversaturated. So, is there going to be an opportunity? I mean, you, you get what I'm saying? It, yeah. Is, is no there- doubt about it. And I've, I mean, we've talked about this before in terms of New Japan's sort of uh, expansion into the United States. Uh, such a big blow to that was the creation of AEW. I mean, they lost they lost unequivocally their biggest, uh, you know, sort of American star in mm-hmm. Kenny Omega and Cody and the Young Bucks, you know, and Adam Page. They lost all these these guys that were, you know, sort of more accessible uh, to the American audience. You know that you know. Look, it's just it's just a fact. Like, look, Tanahashi is a fantastic wrestler. Okada is a fantastic wrestler. To the more casual wrestling viewer, mm-hmm. it's harder to sort of connect with them just cold turkey like that. But if you have a Kenny Omega to sort of like bring them in, and then they get to know these other ones, that's how you're going to get them with those other guys. And then the other thing too is, I think one of this is a reaction to Access TV how Impact Wrestling, their parent company, bought Access TV, and it looks like Access TV is going all in with Impact Wrestling, as you mentioned earlier with Sammy Callahan and this latest episode. Um, this New Japan going to have to look for a new TV deal as well, so maybe they figure they got to have a U.S.-based promotion to kind of get a, t- a new TV deal. It. Yeah, so it, it raises a lot of questions, but I just wonder if it's a little too little too late as far as them trying to come to the U.S. market when – there's already so much established wrestling promotion. They, they they were making serious inroads, and then AEW happened, and yes. then and I think I think that is just such a huge setback for them. Uh, and you know, you couple that again, like you said, with Impact going to Access TV, uh, it just it. And and I I do think you know Mark Cuban selling his portion of Access TV. It's just like it feels like there are certain forces sort of allaying New Japan's success in. Uh, you know the contiguous United States. Mm-hmm. They're going to be fine in Japan. They're, they're doing great business. They're they're doing great work. I'm not worried about their success, but in terms of their sort of expanding more in the United States, it might not be the right time for them. I I don't doubt that down the line it could it could happen again. Doesn't feel like the iron is hot right now for them here uh, in the U.S. But we'll, we'll see we'll see how that shakes out. That's you know a lot of time uh, to tell the story on that one. But we have some shows to get to to actually talk about. Uh, let us start with All Elite Wrestling, their latest edition of Dynamite. Uh, in my opinion this was the most sort of complete episode yet that they've put on i thought this was their best episode uh they hit it out of the park um as we alluded to at the start of the show uh tony shivani once again just it's 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 so interesting to me 
how much I'm enjoying Tony Schiavone on AEW in 2019 and how much legitimacy he just adds to that broadcast. And I loved the sort of almost like, uh, you know, it was very sort of Ric Flair, uh, Starcade 93 kind of deal with him riding in the limo with Cody. I loved that segment. I thought it was so cool telling a story about his dad and everything. It was just great. Well, I felt like he was almost, he, it's like he's a cross between like being a commentator, like what we've known him for back in WCW, but also he's very much trying to do some stuff very much like Mean Gene. Yes. As far as, he is like a reporter on behalf of the fans, talking to the wrestlers, getting to know them. Or, or uh, oh my God, like 2020, like uh, Barbara Walters, or you know what I mean? Like he's riding along with them in the limo with Cody. And but it's interesting. It's like that's kind of cool. He has the the freedom to leave the commentary table. Yes, two man broadcast, which with J- Jr. and Excalibur thought that was great. But Shivani has the freedom to go off and do this ongoing segment throughout the night with Cody in the limo. I thought it just made for great television. It was just something different. Yes. It's like he's getting to know Cody about this upcoming big match for him. And it just, yeah, and it just it added to what has already been a really great build in terms of the match between Jericho and Cody. I, I think we we might have touched on it briefly before, but the uh, the segment in the skybox and everything like that with Cody punching his way through into there and Jericho with, like, the ticket stuck to his forehead and, and everything like that. Just It's been great, great stuff between Jericho and Cody, and this was no different. I love the segment in the limo and then the contract signing segment. He said something different. They teased yeah. it throughout the segment. Jericho trying to make Cody flinch. They teased the fact that like look, we know how these things go. It always breaks down into some type of brawl when it's a contract signing deal. Uh, but they didn't go there. They gave us something different and it was another throwback uh, to something that we have seen back in the day and they had Dustin getting attacked by the inner circle but very much so shades of his dad and Cody's dad Dusty Rhodes when the Four horsemen broke his arm in the car. Yes. That was it was it was so cool because it, you, you see this phrase being thrown around a lot lately is the what's old is new again exactly. kind of thing. And it's really working. I, th- I thought that was a terrific segment. The only thing I would have added to that was them to have to have hold Cody back from like trying to attack the inner circle and stuff like that as they were leaving. I know he was tending to Dustin. That's the only thing I would have added to that segment. I, I thought it was fantastic though. I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's <laughs> No, and then it's just those little things. It's like how many times can you and I say this who are blue in the face as far as doing these these type of segments that get us emotionally caught up in a storyline and invested in a match. It's just it's just great character building. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times we could say this, and I think it's something I think other promotions, uh, even WWE specifically, forgets about sometimes. So it's just like I'm invested. I want to see Cody get revenge. Uh, on the inner circle by winning the title. My only one little little issue, they keep saying, you know, uh, Cody, this is your opportunity to win the big title, the one you've, you've never won before, or the championship. He's been a Ring of Honor champion. He's been an NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. So it, he's won titles and other promotions. I just, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm a little hesitant. It's like, well, it's different. Uh, I, I, I get what you're saying. I do. Uh, and it was a huge moment for him to win, you know, the NWA World's Championship. Uh, and it was a big deal for him to win the ROH title and stuff like that. But this feels decidedly different because th- th- there, I don't think there's much argument that right now AEW is the number two promotion mm-hmm. in the United States behind WWE. 
You know, they're the ones that they, the people are talking about the Wednesday Night Wars. They're not talking about ROH and WWE. They're talking about WWE and AEW. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. So in terms of, like, legitimacy of, like, a championship, like him being AEW champion, if should AEW survive and be this thing that thrives for a long time, it's a bigger deal. And I like Nick Aldis. I'm just saying it's, it's a different level. And it was a huge moment at All In. It was. But I think how they handled it after that, diminished it a little bit uh, just because it, it was sort of like, well, we're just going to put it back on Nick all this kind of deal. Uh, and then the ROH, you know, ROH is a big deal, but it's the, neither one are as big of a deal as they have been, uh, you know, kind of deal. I'm very excited for NWA's renaissance with NWA power. Yeah. I think, I think maybe if Cody had won it now, maybe it would have been a bigger deal. But th- look, this is his promotion. It's the number two promotion in the United States. They're on this upswing. It's, it would be the biggest title win of his career. And just got to give a shout-out to uh, SCU winning the, yes. the tag titles for the first time. The AEW newly put out their tag team championships. The so. inaugural tag team champions of All Elite Wrestling, our SCU, is a fantastic main event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoyed the match a lot. The whole, you know, the overcoming the odds storytelling they were doing. I love Scorpio Sky. I think he's a future AEW world champion yeah. or whichever promotion he goes to. Uh, he's going to be world champion. Uh, also, uh, our, you know, who we saw at APW, the Rock and Roll Express, were supposed to present those titles. They got jumped by the inner circle. Uh, and so we'll see, we'll see what happens there. But they're they're man they're they're still going up and down those roads man they made their they made their debut in new japan like a month ago they're like whoo boy they have some stamina i only my only thing is it's like i was at robert gibson i think he he said like literally a couple words and then they came out tagged him they didn't like get enough spiel i was kind of hoping maybe they'll kind of maybe recap some of the great tag teams in aew no man they got attacked by the heels <laughs> it was so fast like i just wish they had a little more time to do a promo out there kind nah, of say man. a few words the damn heels got them dude literally said like two things bam getting attacked put power bomb through the, the the side of the stage very much like kevin nash did to eric bischoff <laughs> That's all I could think of when I saw that. So, I mean, great. I'd segment. love to see Eric in AEW, by the way. I, well, maybe. Yeah, he's got some free time now. Never say never. Uh, I, I do want to also give a shout out to John Moxley from this episode of AEW. Cut a very fired up promo. Yeah. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. I thought it came off well. The only negative to that is that, you know, because he is such a name, he's going to garner some cheers and everything like that. But I, I like. The uh, the putting over the fact that if he beats their golden boy, the goose that laid the golden egg, yeah. it's not even going to count because yeah. it's an unsanctioned match. I thought it was just the the storytelling within the promo was tight. It, it was great, and so I, I really appreciated that. It's it's um, I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Full Gear is building out like a great show, so I really kudos to AEW showing what what they can do with weekly television to build up to pay per view. They haven't disappointed, and I and I love everything like the little details, like the infographics of when a guy's coming to the ring or a girl's coming to the ring. It shows their overall record, their singles record yeah. kind of deal. That those are such nice touches. So that explains how this is coming into the equation. Those yes. stats is. Moxley has an actual case to be upset. It's like, wait, you guys are trying to protect. Yes, yeah, you said your golden boy, like your number one pick or your number one eight free agent that you signed back earlier this year. Like he has an actual issue here to be upset. And so I'm just going back to another good character building. Like 
he's actually pissed off and has a reason to be in this match has a lot going into it now. Yeah. So I, overall, again, I, I just I really did think this was the best episode of Dynamite that we've gotten to date. I thought it was just really spectacular. Very well done. Um, so I'm I'm look I'm looking forward to to this coming episode. Are you a Rick and Morty fan? I am a Rick and Morty <laughs> fan, uh, and uh, yeah, you know I, I I hate to end our talk about AEW <laughs> on a negative note, but I, I wasn't a, a, the biggest fan of the the crossover promotion there. And look, I like Orange Cassidy and everything like that. It's like that. Th- there's a little bit too much of that silly crap. Look, and there's enough there's enough room for it, and I get it. Like. Look, WWE certainly does more than their fair share of it. Yeah, uh, but I, I was not the biggest fan of the cross promotion with the Rick and Morty stuff there. Well, it, to me, it, I mean, it's a like from like a a corporate sales perspective and somebody that's worked with salespeople, that's huge for them. Yeah. Like that's like that's a big like sort of like cross promotion thing. Uh, and so I understand why they would be excited about that because that's a great get for them mm-hmm. as a viewer. I, it did not stimulate my viewing experience as a big wrestling fan. I did not stimulate JR's viewing experience as being on the call. He was not a fan of it. Uh, so, Well, a couple things. One, I, ju- I know AEW, like from a rating standpoint, they're doing really well with the younger audience. So I get that. That's a target audience for that show that they're trying to reach through AEW. And I'm sure maybe on Cartoon Network, where there's probably some reciprocal advertising or promotion as well. But my other thing, too, is just sometimes with that comedy stuff, if they do a little bit too much, that's where it gets into the territory of me, kind of some of that indie stuff that they're bringing here that's like, I'm all for some funny matches, but if they do too much of that, it kind of ruins my disbelief of competition in pro wrestling. Yeah, especially, you know, again, we were talking about the infographics and, you know, trying to make wins and losses count and everything like that. And there are certain... You don't want to overdo it, and so they 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 have, they have to tread lightly there. They should put a hashtag lost because wearing a Rick and Morty wig. <laughs> well, or they something. won though. Uh, I, know, I know. I'm just saying, like the, these different lost because of Legos in a ring. Or they, they they have to tread lightly there, but I, I get it from the the monetary aspect. All right, let, let's let's get into uh, WWE Crown Fool. Um, there are there are some positives to to take out of this. There, there's some some questions too. Uh, I want to start with a very big positive, and that's Natty and Lacey Evans mm-hmm. having a match. Uh, that was a historic historic moment for women all over the world, but particularly particularly in that region, uh, for them to be allowed to perform in Saudi Arabia uh, in a country in which I believe they are just now getting the right to drive in that country. Yeah. I mean, it is. Um, it's, it was every time they've gone over there, positive strides have been made. You know, mm-hmm. the first time they went over there, they didn't have Renee Young at the desk. Then they had Renee Young at the desk, okay. which was huge. And now we have an actual match between two women. Remember the S storm that was created because they showed a promo that had two women wrestling, and apparently it was this big uproar over there. Well, look at where we're at now, where it's not a promo of two women wrestling. They're actually wrestling in Saudi Arabia for that crowd. That's a huge moment, and it speaks to what WWE is even doing over there in the first place in terms of being a force for good, is that look at look at that progress that, that they have made and sort of the openness and maybe changing some hearts and minds in that country. That's the type of thing that perhaps a sort of uninformed windbag like John Oliver might not understand, but that that's a positive, positive thing. Let me ask you this, just playing devil's advocate. This is something I saw online. This is not my own thoughts, but what do you think about WWE? They're just helping with the propaganda from Saudi Arabia. What do you mean? 
like I, I, I this is something I just saw online. It was you know yeah, Twitter. but define that. What do you mean? Well, as far as like on paper or on on face, they're trying to do all these positive things, but behind the scenes, it's still like a very bad country. Well. Of, co- of course, nothing's going to change overnight, and and you know one wrestling match between Natty and Lacey isn't going to change you know everything overnight. Mm-hmm. But you cannot deny the fact that like it happened. That's that's a huge shift. Yeah, that's a that is a that is a marked shift from only a couple of shows in Saudi Arabia in a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So like that's that's a big time deal. It's not going to fix everything. It's not, it's not going to be this, you know, Rocky Balboa moment at the end of Rocky 4 and we're going to end the Cold War by saying maybe we all can change, but it but it's a positive step and it it in it in if nothing else, it's a glimmer of hope for those women that are living a more oppressed lifestyle mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia like, "Hey, like I can dream to do big things, if it means having to get out of this country, so be it. But that's that's only a positive thing. And it was just cool. After that match, they, they were showing a lot of the, the females in attendance, all smiling and, yes. and and celebrating. So, if anything, you're right. It, that match hopefully can like maybe lead a snowball effect of uh, change to come. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm I'm proud uh, of that of that match and that happening. It was historical, and it was just uh, that that's a positive thing. And no one no one's going to go out there and say that Saudi Arabia is a perfect place. It's far from it. Look, the fact that we're even having to celebrate the fact they were able to perform tells you that things are different over there, and they have a lot of work to do. But that was good on WWE. Well, no, just, no way you cut it. I'm just glad Natty got that opportunity, just because. She's been one of the best female wrestlers in the world for the last like ten plus years, and uh, I, I I get it. She's hot. Everyone loves her. Like Becky Lynch, you know Charlotte, Ronda, all, all them get a lot of you know even ba- Bailey and Sasha. They all been getting a lot of attention in the women's division in the last couple of years. And I think sometimes Natty gets kind of pushed in the background a little bit. Uh, so I think for her, this was a great opportunity for her career, like another. Check, uh, check off her for, resume. For me, I look at Lacey Evans as a, as a former service person mm-hmm. to be able to do that too. Uh, continuing to uh, to serve your country and people abroad uh, through professional wrestling is um, it's was a poignant sort of special moment uh, for her as well. So kudos to those ladies. And now for the rest of the show, uh, we had Brock Lesnar, and that's got to be Kane Velasquez uh, for the WWE Championship. Um, I got to say, it didn't go how I thought it was going to go. Um, I'm I'm a little confused as to the why of all this buildup with Kane Velasquez. If this if this is how it was going to go down, uh, but it, it was basically Kane with uh, with uh, a lot of the strikes, them putting over. It was a very, very sort of faux MMA styled match uh, into the Kimura Lock, which I love as a finisher, and I love that they brought that back. In terms of short matches and what it needed to be, like I I didn't hate it. Uh, I I didn't hate it. It, it just. It's perplexing on a level in terms of the build-up to it, though, because you're building up Kane as this soup. That's got to be Kane as this sort of super monster of Brock Lesnar, and that's what we get. So it's like from a storytelling aspect, I don't understand necessarily that style of match, other than the fact that it's sort of simulating an MMA match where that sort of thing can happen. But other than that, it just kind of had me scratching my head from a storytelling aspect. Well, okay, now those reports reports coming out that apparently like. Kane's knee is in a lot worse shape than I think a lot of people thought was early on when he signed with WWE. So therefore he was kind of limited on how much he can go in the ring. And I guess he needs surgery like ASAP and he's been needing it for a while. But, and and it's unfortunate because 
you saw in AAA, I think within the last couple months, he had the one match down there when he was masked up. Um, he can go. He yeah. he he's in his short time of rest, learning wrestling. He's actually can perform like a luchador, and he has some great skills. So I don't know why they couldn't go that route for this match. But as you said, it was more just a simulated UFC type match. So maybe that way. They can like uh, show Brock dom- getting a dominating win or sneaking out a win somehow because it's more of an MMA style. But I, I don't know what's what's next for. Kane. I-, I okay. Let me ask you this: What kind of outcome do you think could have been better then? Because okay, Kane his first match in WWE was a WWE Championship match, which is they acknowledge is a very small prestige class yeah. of wrestlers who've had that opportunity. But I don't know how could have gone any other way. If he wins, he can't be champion already. Just have him prove yeah, I just, himself. I just, yeah, I was not expecting him to win, was was not rooting for him to win, just for that very fact, and I like Brock Lesnar, uh, and Kane only beat Brock in the UFC world because Brock was dealing with diverticulitis, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I would just, just rather have them have a more straight-up match with some more back and forth. I would have wanted, I wanted them to make Kane look better. Then, then they feel like they made him look uh, in this, you know, have him get some more and just go a little bit longer. I'm fine with the – like <laughs> – I don't. I get they're going for the UFC style match and everything like that. I, I would. I still would have rather see the F five to win it, and not have Kane uh, tap out to the Kimura. Um, I know now we're pivoting to Rey Mysterio and everything with that. Uh, but again, you got Rey Mysterio coming in and swinging the chair shots. It's sort of like heelish tactics, you know. It's not like Brock cheated to beat Kane Velasquez or anything like that. He just beat him. So it's like. Brock beat up your kid, he beat you up, and he beat up the, the bully that you brought to beat him up, too. Like, how, like how's Brock the bad guy? <laughs> I mean, I know he beat, he beat, the, he beat the crap out of Dominic. That's that what we would call a, a dick move. But um, it just sucks, like, because like, remember you said, get him, Dad. So it just sucks. It's like watching your dad get beat up by the bully that beat you up. So I feel kind of bad for Ray. It's like his dad got beat up. But, yeah, so, I mean, I know now Brock's going going for his revenge we'll talk about that uh in a few minutes but yeah. uh so that was brock versus that's got to be kane velasquez we're not going to go through every match yeah. here but uh braun stroman aka the big show and tyson fury um what'd you think okay to his credit even though i'm not a big fan of him personally tyson fury he did look decent in the ring yes for however short period of time he's been training off the air for this match. And yeah. I am a big fan of Tyson Fury for the record. I, I like the Gypsy King quite a bit. Deontay Waller's going to knock him out eventually. I doubt it. Right, Tommy? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, I'm just saying for the match itself, he looked good. Like he held his own. I'm I'm sure they worked it out how they were going to uh, script this whole together, but choreograph it. But he held his own. I mean, some good lockups, some, you know, he, he took some. Uh, um, Bumps. In it the was ring. not the giant Gonzalez esque yeah. lumbering around that I feared when they released that video online. Maybe they're yeah. trying to save it. Uh, I, I just, I just come back to like, can we just do a double count out BS finish? You know, as, as opposed to hurting Braun Strowman. I was gonna say after this match, I felt like it was the death of Braun Strowman as the Monster Mun Man. Yeah, like I, I, I hate to say it, but every big match or every big championship match he's been in, he's lost. It, it, it's he's now the guy that you go to to maybe put someone else over. I hate to say it. That's why I call him the big show. Yeah. I hate to say it, but he like at this point, it's too little too late for him to win a championship and like 
me like actually believe that he's a this intimidating force. It, it, it's sad. Like I hate I hate to say that, but he is now like okay. Like they showed the highlights before the match of him like you know pulling the 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 big Titan Tron down and lifting the eighteen wheeler up, putting Bobby Lashley through the 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 screen. It's like. Okay, that's just a cool big acts of strength that you do, you've done, but in the actual wrestling ring, you can't deliver. So why do I care about you as this uh, as this big wrestler anymore? Yeah, I, I just I hope this doesn't become sort of he's the celebrity gatekeeper to be like the the big show role, like that's SNL the SNL guys yeah. last. So early. I'm I'm worried about that. I, I, I the other thing too is 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 um. It, I don't know if he'll ever be a champion because I see him more as a special attraction, as you said, to put celebrities over. Yeah, and he should be champion because he's a naturally over charismatic giant that can work in the ring. Totally, he should be. Uh, he should be WWE's wet dream, but instead he's sort of again being made this celebrity gatekeeper. So I was not a fan of that. Uh, the last match we'll talk about from Crown Fool is uh, DX versus the Brothers. Uh, excuse me, uh, <laughs> Seth Rollins uh, taking on the Fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship. I had a momentary. Flashback. I can't believe that was uh, a year ago already. Uh, um, PTSD ago. moment. Um, <laughs> but, hey, let me put you, hit you through the car again. Yes. Uh, Seth Rollins taking on The Fiend in a there will be no stoppage match, even though that's kind of what Hell in a Cell used to be. Uh, but here we are in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia uh, in this match. And they fo- they pulled the trigger. And The Fiend is your new universal champion. Um not a fan of how we got there within the match in terms of stomp a palooza part oh. 35. Um, again, more Bray Wyatt, the fiend taking way too much offense just from Seth Rollins instead of it just being sort of a dominating squash, which is what they should have done at Hell in a Cell. And you pull the trigger on it here instead of, you know, in your native terra firma, Sacramento, California, you know, in the United States, pulling the trigger at your own pay-per-view that's more of part of the established week-in, week-out canon, you do it at Crown Fool and not at Hell in a Cell. I don't understand the delay. I'm happy that The Fiend is the champion. I do not like how they have necessarily booked his two championship match appearances. Again, taking too much offense. Mm -hmm. I get the whole, like... Michael Myers coming back for more things. He's my favorite. It's my favorite Halloween horror villain. But I would like to see Bray Wyatt, the fiend, dominate more than he's been allowed to sort of bell the bell. I know he's like always stood tall and everything like that, but I don't I don't need to see him just like getting his ass kicked like he did at Hell in the Cell. Well, he had some good offense. I mean, he threw Seth off top of the ropes into like that stack of yeah, tables. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he didn't, but I'm just saying he in turn also takes a lot yeah, on. Yeah, and he survived. The the electrical shortage, fireworks. He, he might have a bit of a fire. speech impediment like Goldust now, though. But then, even with that, though, and then you have, like, Seth Rollins, like, was he going down to, like, check on him? Like, <laughs> what? Well, he's got to get the pin in. Yeah, he's got to get the pin in, but it was just like, I don't know, like, it was kind of foolish sort of. <laughs> well, nice camera angle, right, when he yeah, like, stands yeah. up. Like, hello, like a jack-in-a-box. Like, ding Yeah. Uh, but the overall, I, well, once again, with the red lights, which, I, I kind of like that. It's. I know it's, a lot of people don't, but it's different, and I kind of dig it. Well, I just wonder, moving forward, that's something they're going to do. Wait, did he have that with Finn at SummerSlam? No. 
It was just like more the lights were just turned down, if I remember it just Yeah, it, I don't even know if they turned down the lights during the match. It just, uh, yeah, they okay. did during his entrance, but I don't know if they even did it during I'm, the match. I'm happy that he won, but now I'm just kind of worried, though, if it's going to be short term because of Survivor Series. And I, I kind of have some ideas about you know, what's what happened on SmackDown and stuff. And technically, as of this moment or or as, after Crown Jewel, both championships are on SmackDown. Well, well, I mean, one's Bra- a free agent. Yeah, so that—that's what I mean. I was going to save that for once we get into more of the SmackDown discussion, but I wonder if things are going to flip flop around and if if will Bray's title turn blue? Will they take the red belt and make it blue now? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm happy for Bray. I'm happy for the Fiend, but they've all, they like to, to get here. The circuitous route they took to get us here, they damaged his character. The burning down of the funhouse, the the stupid, nonsensical stuff at Hell in a Cell. Uh, it would have been easier for everyone, and you would have had a stronger, more viable, long-term character if you just did the damn deal at Hell in a Cell. You have him squash Seth. It's scary. <laughs> do, you think, uh, do you think they're going to have a rematch in Survivor Series? I hope not. I, I've Knowing WWE's booking, I think they might. That's they, what. They, they they might. Yeah, maybe we'll get the rubber match, and I hope I hope the Fiend wins there too. I think maybe maybe it'll lead Seth to turn heel or something, or maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll join the Fiend in some type of sort of uh, Stockholm syndrome esque thing. Maybe he'll pop up on the fun house as his neighbor, uh, <laughs> Mister Rogers. Hello. Yeah, uh, which he's, would he's be the mailman. We had uh, four year run friend of the show. Who you've heard reference here a few times. We we were talking uh, in Vegas a couple months ago about how we'd like to see uh, Liv Morgan uh, be incorporated sort of in Bray Wyatt's world as like the living doll is what I came up with in terms of being sort of like that, again, that living doll sort of makeup kind of deal and you could incorporate her into Bray's world. It could be a really creepy, good usage of Liv Morgan. So I'm, I'm, I'm all for expanding uh, the Fiendiverse uh, slowly but surely, uh, as, as it were. Yeah, exactly. And adding just sort of new layers. I did not, a new layer, by the way, is not burning down the damn funhouse and then acting like it never happened. Quote, our good buddy Chris Jericho is a stupid idea from bad creative. So, uh, but moving right along from Crown Fool, the less we say about that, the better. Big ups to Natty and Lacey. And Team Hogan. Yeah. Big ups to Natty and Lacey. <laughs> On to NXT. Uh, a few highlights from NXT. I got to say, I think uh, with all the great action, what I left most impressed by this week from NXT was Finn Balor's promo. Uh, I don't even know if we touched on it last episode, but Finn Balor turned heel when he kicked Johnny Gargano, uh, and then he cut this great promo this week uh, that where he showed more personality, uh, more sort of heel charisma than he ever has, in my opinion, in WWE. Uh, I, I loved this promo. I thought he hit it out of the park. Uh, the the Just such a great mic drop line that he's like, you're going to go from Johnny wrestling to Johnny watches wrestling. That, <laughs> I, I popped Big time for that. I was like, that is so simple, but so good. And just, it, and it also builds on the fact, like, I loved him talking about, like, there's people in the locker room that should just be out here watching wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, almost like the fanboys have invaded, like, the WWE locker room. I, I, I thought it was just a great, great promo. Well, I like how they also said uh, the Prince is back. Yeah. Which is, you know, hey, for anyone who knows about his history, that, he, you know, his previous name was Prince Divot in New Japan. When he was a heel and started the Bullet Club, I like he's been doing 
um, the 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 gun. Um, we call it with his Taunt. gestures with his hands. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, like a wink and nod to, to his history as as part of being the Bullet Club back in the day. And uh, I like also he says. A couple months ago, you guys were all cheering. Yes. Uh, I, I laid down for uh, a guy who just put on a new mask. So I was Yeah, like, he said uh, a guy put on a new mask to become the biggest thing in the business, and I took off my mask to become the biggest thing in the business. Yeah. That was a good line. It was just, it was just, it was tremendous, tremendous work on the microphone by Finn Balor. To be honest, I didn't know if he had it in him anymore. So I, I was, uh, I, because I've been critical of in terms of him sort of like connecting personality wise. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the, like on the microphone. Very vanilla. Like obviously he's very, like he connects with the audience very strongly as a baby face. But I just, I never, I never saw it on the microphone. And I mm-hmm. like promos. I like being able to tell a story in that way. And I thought, I thought he showed a whole n- another level of himself in WWE and NXT. Here, so that that was that was great stuff. So already the heel turn for Finn off to a a great start. Um, the Kabuki Warriors uh, also returned to NXT, uh, taking on Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Uh, no surprise that they retained there, and it led to this big angle with uh, you know the fact that I love William Regal popping out. <laughs> you know, just uh, you know, yeah, he's a you know underrated authority figure. But there's going to be the first ever uh, female War Games match coming up, which is exciting. This was a great sort of post match brawl and everything too. It was just it was wild. It was legitimately one of those things that just felt like organically kind of insane. Well, I, I'm just kind of curious though, where are the teams? Because I know we, don't know Ray, we had Rhea Ripley, Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, and um, Candice LeRae. On the outside, though, there was five ladies as far as uh, uh, Shayna Baszler, her two henchwoman, and um, um, uh, Bianca Belair and Io Shirai. So does Shayna sit it out and let her two lady friends um, wrestle on her behalf, or does one of them sit out and Shanna still wrestles? So I'm kind of curious how they're gonna. It's it was technically five on four on how that how that yeah. segment ended. So that's why I'm just a little confused. Or do does the baby faces of this situation bring in a fifth person? We will see how that all shakes out. Uh, I do have to quickly say uh, about the Kabuki Warriors and my girl Kyrie Sane. Um, they're doing a great job as heels. Yes. And I love that they're the champions. I really enjoy them. And I and I think I think the heel turn's gonna be great for them. However, there are some characters that I just really love and really want to see be baby faces. And Kyrie is one of those for me. I love the pirate princess Kyrie saying, I think she is so fun and just enjoyable to watch. So, and I get that the, the reaction they, that they're going for it. Just, I just, I, I miss babyface Kyrie. I know they're going to do great things. Yeah. Well, okay. A couple things. I love that, uh, um, Oscar uses the green mist, but I think if he uses it every match, that's a little bit overdoing it. Correct. I think you guys save it for like maybe big and poor I, matches. I, I do I do like the attention to detail with the green mist, Kyrie covering uh, yes. Dakota Kai covering the green mist so that the referee couldn't see it. I think that's a nice little sort of hidden highlight there. And that match as well as far as really working their half of the ring as far as Dakota Kai really beating on her for the majority of the match and getting uh, uh, um, the hot tag in the Tegan Knox. So I just like you said, that was a great match. I mean... As far as NXTs go, I still love that they're still delivering just like big match after big match every week. And I know like viewership has been up and down for them, but you're making a point to tune in. If if not live 
Wednesday night, at some point Thursday, yeah. tune in. They're still delivering great matches well, every week. I think the early returns, too, on NXT's move to USA Network is they have not missed a beat, and that's that's impressive given they're adding the live factor. They're adding another hour of content that's also live kind of deal. So that's, they, they I mean, kudos to them. They really have not missed a step. And also they're, they they're bring, a busy week. Yeah, well, they're bringing in elements of, you know, the Cruiserweight division, uh, yeah. NXT UK talent. But I'm saying to fill it up so they're not – burning out the same roster over and over every yeah. week. So they're rotating people in and out. So every week you're still getting something fresh from them. Uh, I did love uh, the closing uh, segment as well. First of all, great tag team match, but I love Tommaso Ciampa coming out to make the save. And his mic drop line, as good as Finn Balor's was, I love Tommaso's even more when he says, Goldie, you're going to have to wait. Daddy's going to war. That was awesome. I was fired up for that. Uh, I'm super stoked on it. We're going to see how that War Games match is going to shape up, too. Perhaps a DIY reunion of sorts as well. I I, I don't know. Or what they could do, maybe Finn and Johnny have a singles match at War Games. And you think about someone who has been on TV for a while who has beef with Undisputed Era's Velveteen Dream. Yeah, that would be good, too. So him and, him and Ciampa, along with um, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. And I'm and I'm super fine with keeping Johnny away from Tommaso as well because there's more meat left on that bone for, for good or for bad, uh, as it were, and we don't need to rush into mm-hmm. it. And it is the Finn Balor feud is an organic way to keep them apart for yeah. now, uh, and we can revisit that at another time. But we have to get to SmackDown. Uh, Monday Night Raw, the only thing I will say about that is you closed out your show with that terrible Lashley Rusev Lana storyline, which just makes me hurt for all three of those performers. I, I hope some good comes of it, but I am skeptical. SmackDown Live, though. We kick off with uh, not our usual roster because, well, Atlas Air had a mechanical issue with their plane, all you conspiracy theorists. I know Epstein didn't commit suicide, but I think that plane actually had some issues. So just everybody tranquilo. All right. Uh, we start off with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, though. Brock quitting. Uh, going to Raw to go to war with Rey Mysterio uh, and sort of solving the issue coming out of Crown Jewel. Well, now Raw doesn't have a, a main championship. Well, it looks like the WWE championship, the title of record, will be going back to the original flagship show, as, as it turns out here. But I, I'm so shocked by that because for anyone who's been paying attention behind the scenes for the last couple months is Fox wanted Brock Lesnar on SmackDown because of his connection, his ties with UFC. Maybe they got to look at his contract and realize how few dates he works. Yeah, so so Fox, you know, Fox has a long history of being the the network for UFC, so they want a recognizable name that they've worked with in the past. And so for him to go back to USA, I'm like, oh man. But then again, here think about it. back in the old brand splits back in the day for a while. Uh, was it the, the the WWE Championship was on Raw and the world title was on SmackDown. Then there was a period where they flip-flopped, yeah. right? So maybe this is their way of flip-flopping it, bring the Universal to SmackDown and bring the WWE Championship to Raw. Let me just say, it's a much better way of bringing a new world championship to Raw than how they did it during the first brand split, which was Eric Bischoff just dusting off the big gold belt and literally handing it to Triple H and saying, you're our world champion. So uh, at least we have one that's actually the, the champion uh, on the record with the WWE title uh, going to Raw to go after Rey Mysterio. I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm interested to see how that's going to shake out because on paper it's like 
you know, Ray was attacking with a chair and Brock was essentially like no selling it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that sort of match shakes out. Uh, I'm excited. What's going to happen? Yeah, I'm excited for it too. Well, Brock does really well with smaller wrestlers. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. When Brock has his working shoes on, I think he does well with anybody. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm excited to see how that match is going to shake out. Perhaps a Dominic screw job. I, I don't know. Lead to maybe an unlikely victory for Ray. I, I, I mean, I, I think we've talked. I call him Brock's office because I, I think him being involved and being a major player in WWE is only good for professional wrestling. Well, the other thing too is for Survivor Series. I think the last few years with the brand split again, it's been Raw versus SmackDown, and it's been more or less just like exhibition matches, like. Intercontinental champion versus U.S. champion, WWE champion versus Universal champion, and so it's these matches kind of thrown together. It's just all it's just bragging rights, but there's no really stakes involved this time around. It looks like I'm just you know early trying to predict what might happen. So maybe Brock versus Ray at Survivor Series, maybe Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins again, and then I don't know if you do the other titles against one another. I'm so tired of the Raw versus SmackDown Me too, I'm burnt out. uh, Which is why I love this episode of SmackDown, because I don't think I've been... This was the... So NXT invaded, people. If you're listening to this, you already know that. Yeah. by the way, follow us at in the click on all your social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Email us in the click at gmail.com. Uh, but I love this NXT invasion of SmackDown. It was a throwback to a younger, optimistic Bimbo Jimbo watching Taz and the ECW originals come through the crowd and be like, oh my God, like this invasion just got taken to the extreme kind of deal. It was, it was just, it had that sort of like this is cool vibe about it like all night long uh that was like super rad i loved uh tomaso champa and miz is back and forth we got a kick-ass main event with daniel bryan and adam cole tearing the house down that was tremendous uh i just i i thought it came off really really well so i know a lot of people are saying so this unfortunate Hiccup of with the airline issues actually led to one of the better episodes of SmackDown in a long time. I, I think you go instead of Raw versus SmackDown. I think it's Survivor Series. If you want to do this branch supremacy thing, you do NXT versus everybody. You have NXT versus SmackDown matches. You have NXT versus Raw matches, and you Mix see it how up. it shakes out. Uh, I, they have the talent. They have the horses to do that. I just thought this was so fun. Uh, it just yeah, a plus stuff. So I wonder, yeah, for the main event or whatever the the. Will it be five on five against five? So five Raw, five SmackDown, five NXT, which it's a lot of people. So I kind of like your idea, five NXT and like five of a mixture of Raw and SmackDown. I'm not even necessarily saying that. I'm saying you have multiple, like you have an NXT versus Raw match and then you have an NXT versus SmackDown match. The the mixed bag works too if you want to have sort of like the establishment against these upstarts kind of deal. I would love to see NXT take out John Cena. It's sort of almost like a bringing it full circle to one Nexus attack John Cena and he sort of buried them at SummerSlam. But if you actually see them sort of get one up on big match John now all these years later, I, I would love to see something like that happen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, though, man. I loved it. Well, I was first off, I was a little just shocked that Brock was there 
and rest of the talent was left overseas. But I realized he has a private jet yep. that took Hogan, Flair, everyone back with him. So yeah. I was like, how is he on SmackDown? Everyone else is still overseas. But then um, it was interesting. He's in, re- he's re- in really tight with the, the Saudi prince, you know? Yeah. Good Lord, people. <laughs> Put it out oh there. God. Put it on the dirt sheets out Seriously. Grow <laughs> up. But I'm just also the other thing. It was interesting. The bodies uh, from the SmackDown roster that they were able to use, it's everyone who didn't go over. So Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, The Miz. Um, it was interesting. I liked how Bailey and Nikki, that was like the one promoted match that actually happened. All the other matches couldn't happen. So I, I like from that point on, that's when NXT started invading every segment throughout the night. So it was just We got Bailey's first like really full heel entrance with her, her new theme and everything like that. And uh, yeah. You know, I think I think the one thing I think they could almost start it at a more midpoint in the song, so it's more recognizable. Those first few beats aren't super distinctive yet. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Bailey's another one. It's just like cool. I wish you all the best as a heel, but to me, Bailey's like Ricky Steamboat. You're a babyface. Like it's just that's just what it is, man. Uh, so, uh, but. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, but uh, I know they they've been promoting though Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. So, like I said, I'm really curious. Like for me, if anything, that's why I'm tuning into Raw. It's just how they're going to start laying the foundation for this pay per view. Because I'm a big fan of Survivor Series. You and I have talked about this last year. Like Survivor Series back in the day was such a fun pay per view. And so, hopefully, with NXT involvement, it will really freshen things up. I'm going to end the show with this. Uh, so after after SmackDown happened uh, and the NXT invasion, I had a dream, baby Huey. I had a dream that you and I were at the Greek Theater in Berkeley uh, watching an NXT TakeOver event there. And for some reason, there was an intermission, and I went down to a bar and was hanging out with some people having some drinks. And uh, Shawn Michaels came out at that TakeOver, and I could hear his music playing. But you know, when I tried to rush back to the arena, it was too far. Like, it just kept getting further and further away. So it was a dream turned into a nightmare. Uh, and so, yeah, that was that, that's just going to say just how much wrestling seeps in. It's invading my dreams. <laughs> and the, 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 the NXT invasion invaded my subconscious. That's going to do it for us this week here at In The Click. For Baby Huey, I'm Bimbo Jimbo. And remember, if you're not in the click, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya.